Now, Scientology is quite a bit different from Hinduism and Buddhism in that when we look at their beliefs and practices, uh, it is very difficult to define them as a religion. Nevertheless, the Internal Revenue Service in 1993 recognized Scientology as a tax-exempt religious organization. Other than that, I see very little in Scientology that bears much resemblance to a religion. Uh, certainly, it is not compatible with Christianity, uh, and it doesn't claim to be compatible with Christianity. In fact, I don't refer to Scientology as a cult, because in my view, a cult is a religious organization whose members claim to be Christians and who use the Bible and Christian terms, yet who deny the central beliefs of historic Christianity. So in other words, it's got to be a religious organization. That term cult really means a group of followers. Okay, So if you're a huge fan of the Kansas City Royals, you're a cultist. Well, that doesn't really help us. So it's got to be a religious organization. Secondly, it needs to claim to be Christian. Okay, Scientology does not claim to be Christian. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses claim to be Christian. Third, they use the Bible and Christian terms. Scientology really has no time or place for the Bible or Christian terms. Um, they acknowledge Jesus as a historical person um, who was, was pretty good, but really of no consequence to Scientology. Uh, but they deny the central beliefs of historic Christianity. So classic cultism in that regard would be organizations like Christian Science, um, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, the Way International, and some of those. So Scientology doesn't fall into the category of counterfeit Christianity, nor does it really fall into the category of a religion, yet it professes to be a religion. So what I want to do is just give you sort of a brief overview of what Scientology is, how Scientology came to be, and then we'll, we'll see how it sort of stands alone as a non-biblical belief system, uh, but one that doesn't fit neatly into the mold of a non-Christian world religion, and it doesn't fit at all into the mold of counterfeit Christianity. Well, Scientology, number one on your worksheet on page 27, Scientology is a false religion and I use the term religion simply acknowledging they call themselves a religion, I believe, for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to get the IRS tax exemption. <laughs> so uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll grant them that. It's a false religion funded by the late science fiction writer L. Ron Hubbard, capital L period, Ron Hubbard, H-U-B-B-A-R-D. Interestingly enough, I think it was 1949 or thereabouts, uh, L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer. And as he was cranking out science fiction works, it is reported that he once said to a friend, you know what? A person could make a lot of money if he started his own religion. And uh, that is exactly what L. Ron Hubbard did a year later in 1950 
when he established the Church of Scientology. So L. Ron Hubbard is the founder of it, science fiction writer, uh, launched the book Dianetics and launched the organization that came to be known as the Church of Scientology. Now, um, he has described his beliefs, L. Ron Hubbard, this isn't in your notes anywhere, I don't think, uh, but he described his beliefs, and he had a variety of beliefs, as we'll see in a minute, uh, in more than 5,000 writings. So he was a prolific writer, and uh, he's written dozens of books, and he's got 3,000 recorded lectures. In fact, in uh, Scientology's headquarters, uh, they are currently um, putting together um, all of his writings and teachings in ways that will, uh, will survive uh, on for a long, long period of time for future generations to discover. The Church of Scientology, I don't think this is in your notes either necessarily, but it draws from some Eastern philosophy, so you'll see a little bit of, of uh, Far Eastern worldview in there. Uh, modern psychology, even though L. Ron Hubbard hated psychology, and in fact, if you were to walk into a Church of Scientology today and say, I want to sign up, they will have you sit down and fill out paperwork that basically says the Church of Scientology, you can never sue the Church of Scientology, you can't sue any individual members, and you have to agree that psychology is evil and bad. I mean, you have to sign off on psychology, and yet he kind of had a psychology of his own, as we'll see. So it does that, it includes some occult practices, and interestingly enough, it includes, I think, a great deal of science fiction. L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer and found a way to mold all those things together. That's what makes Scientology so unique and I think in some ways so fascinating is it's different from any religion that I'm familiar with. Now L. Ron Hubbard defined Scientology, listen to this, as quote, the Western anglicized continuance of many earlier forms of wisdom including the Vedas, remember that? That was from Hinduism, right? Taoism, Buddhism, Judaism, Gnosticism, which was a corrupt form of Christianity that emerged in the second century, early Greek civilization, and the teachings of Jesus, Nietzsche, and Freud. Wow, that is quite a casserole, isn't it? Quite a <laughs> and Hubbard said this, quote, Scientology has accomplished the goal of religion expressed in all man's history, the freeing of the soul by wisdom. We're going to focus on that a little bit, the freeing of the soul. Remember in, in Hinduism, you have a soul. Hindus either believe you really have a soul or you have the illusion of a soul, but you have a soul that survives death and goes through multiple lives. Buddhists don't. Well, they, Scientology kind of latches on to that belief in the soul. Now, number two, according to its website, 
And they spend a lot of money and have a very nice website, very attractive website. They're very good at marketing. Uh, Scientology seeks to release human potential. Human potential. And we'll see what that means. Free the soul and restore people to their original state as pure, immortal spirits. So in other words, our true self is an immortal, eternally existing soul. Okay, so that's the goal. Number three, Scientology teaches that within every human being is a Thetan. That's T-H-E-T-A-N. T-H-E-T-A-N. A Thetan, an eternal spirit in bondage to matter. In bondage to matter. Scientology seeks to free Thetans, restoring them as glorious spirit beings. All right, let's talk a little bit about how, sci- how Scientology works. How Scientology works. According to Scientology, mankind's greatest problem, this is number four, mankind's greatest problem is engrams, E-N-G-R-A-M-S. Engrams, or negative sensory impressions, recorded in the unconscious mind. A person may carry these negative impressions through trillions of lifetimes. Trillions of lifetimes. So, we said every belief system has a problem, right? And we said Hinduism's problem uh, is you're breaking out of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. Buddhism's problem is craving that leads to suffering. Christianity's problem is sin, okay? Well, Scientology, your problem is engrams, and that's negative sensory perceptions, and you carry those through trillions of lifetimes. Believe it or not, you have existed trillions of lifetimes Death is just an inconsequential, what they call, dropping of the body. So you drop this body and you take on another body. Okay? So engrams make the current life difficult and you carry the difficulties of former lives into this life. And we're going to see how engrams are dealt with, but But basically, a a good description that I read was something like this. Suppose that when you were a child, you owned a red bicycle, okay? And while you were on that red bicycle, you had a bad bicycle accident. You know, you broke an arm, for example. And from that point on, that's an engram, that's a bad sensory perception. Okay, so from that point on, you are going to, have this tendency to avoid red bicycles. 
you might even have the tendency to avoid the color red altogether. Now, if you don't deal with that in this lifetime, you're going to carry this fear of red bicycles or even the color of red into your next life. Sounds a little bit like Hinduism, doesn't it? Where you, you carry that karma into the next life. Okay, so that's what an engram is. When we experience, um, like you ladies were talking to me about the loss of children. That would be, a, that's a bad, that's bad thing. And, it's, and it's, it causes grief and hardship and pain. And, but you have to deal with it in this lifetime or else you're going to carry that grief and sorrow with you into future lives. And it's just going to weigh you down more and more and more. So that's the problem in Scientology is engrams or negative sensory perceptions and they exist in the subconscious mind. You don't even realize they're there and you don't know why you're afraid of red bicycles. You don't know why you're afraid of the color red. You just are, okay? So that's your problem and it carries on through. So number five, what's the solution? The solution to these negative impressions is going clear, going clear, C-L-E-A-R. What does it mean to go clear? It means to be liberated from all engrams. The way to achieve this is through L. Ron Hubbard's method known as Dianetics. Dianetics. And the next slide might even have a picture of the book cover. There it is. I have one of the, I bought one on the shelf. I have to admit I haven't read more than a few pages of it. I don't really have much interest in wasting my time on it. But you all probably remember when that was a really a hot item in the 80s and 90s. And it was advertised on TV and they sold like hotcakes. Well, that is his basic way for dealing with engrams, the solution the salvation. So Dianetics is the system, and we'll kind of see what Dianetics is as we go forward. So number six, <clears throat> auditing is Scientology's counseling method. Auditing is Scientology's counseling method used to locate and erase n-grams Auditors use a device called an e-meter. And we might have a slide there, Anita. There's an e-meter right there. Now, I have taken that picture off of a, a blog. I couldn't find one that was free or uncopyrighted, so I, I'm attributing that to Mike Rinder's blog. Mike Rinder is a former... Scientologist, and he's very, very, he was very, very high up in Scientology. In fact, he was sort of the official spokesperson for Scientology for years and years and years, and he has left. And if you've been watching the series at all on A&E television uh, with Leah Remini, a former Scientologist, Mike Rinder is working with Leah, and, and they are really exposing a lot of the behind-the-scenes things at Scientology. So I don't, I didn't get Mike's permission but I'm not going to use it any more than today. It's just for our private use. But I took that picture of the e-meter off of his blog. Now that e-meter, as you can see, it's got a couple knobs on it. And the two 
little silo-looking things on the left are two little metal tubes that, that you take, one in each hand. And it really works kind of like a polygraph machine. When you go into the counseling session, the auditing, the auditor asks you questions and can largely tell whether you're telling the truth or not based on how the e-meter goes. So it kind of works like a polygraph. Um, I don't know how accurate it is, uh, and, and I don't know the nature of questioning, but the purpose of that in the counseling is to get you to drill down deep into this life and to, to discover and reveal engrams or painful things. Well, of course, in the process, if you're spilling your guts and they're recording every written word, how easy is it going to be for you to leave the church uh, knowing that they know your deepest, darkest secrets? Well, that's what counseling is. It's designed to reveal engrams. Uh, and then once you deal with engrams in this life, you've got these trillions of former lives to deal with. I don't think auditing ever really quite ends for you. And as you move up the bridge, they have a bridge which is eight different steps, it gets increasingly more expensive to give from one level to the next. You are paying for these auditing sessions or counseling sessions. And that's one of the reasons there is a, there's a pending lawsuit against Scientology for fraud, because they offer you a discount if you pay ahead. Scientology has about $3 billion in the bank for unused services, and people cannot get their money back. And so there is currently a lawsuit for fraud against Scientology that has gone farther than previous lawsuits. Scientology has boatloads of money they have very good, very high-powered attorneys, and, and you sign documents that basically say, I will not criticize the church, I will not sue the church, I will not ever sue former members, I will never speak against Scientology, uh, and if I do, um, I'm in, I'm in big, big trouble. And Scientology also offers a money-back guarantee. If you're not, I'm not kidding you, if you're not happy with auditing, we will give you your money back. So I watched a show the other night uh, on how you get your money back. Spoiler alert, you don't, okay? Here's how you, they say, they have in their policy, you get your money back if you're not happy. Okay, how do I get my money back? Well, you have to come and you have, you have to come down to the offices of Scientology and you have to fill out a form requesting your money back. You say, well, that's not so hard. Okay, so I want my money back, so you come down there. But what happens? You signed a contract when you signed into Scientology that said you would never criticize Scientology uh, and you would never sue them and, uh, and so on. And so by saying you want your money back says you don't believe in Scientology. And by doing that, you are labeled a suppressive person, a person who's hostile to Scientology. Well, if you're a person who's labeled a suppressive person, guess what? You are not allowed on their property. Say, okay, well, can you fax me the form? No, you have to come in person and fill out the form to get your money back. But I can't because you won't let me in. Well, you signed the contract. So that's basically, how, that's basically why Scientology has $3 billion in the bank for unused services that people have paid ahead 
they can't get their money back. And that's one of the cruxes of this pending lawsuit is that this is not a religion. A religion accepts donations. Uh, and this is really a quid pro quo. This is a pay for service counseling thing. And, uh, and you defraud people by not giving them their money back and by forcing them to pay to get a service that a church should offer for free. So we don't know how that's going to turn out in the courts, but that's basically how, how it works. So you go through the auditing sessions. That's Dianetics, this whole process with the e-meter and counseling and everything else. Yes, if you are in Scientology and you see someone who is a Scientologist uh, acting what they would consider inappropriately, speaking against another Scientologist, saying, I can't believe it cost me $8,000 to go the next step on the bridge, uh, they will write you up. And uh, they actually have, um, I believe it's in California, there's like a detention center. It's not called that, but it is, it is like a prison. And they've showed pictures of it with barbed wire and security, and people have to escape. They have to plan and escape if they want to leave Scientology once they're put in those detention centers. So it, it, it's a very close-knit family, and you don't dare speak out against Scientology. And uh, uh, once you're labeled a suppressive person, by the way, uh, you... Uh, if you're, you can't talk to your family, you can't talk to, you can't talk to anybody who's still a Scientologist. Anybody who's a Scientologist must shun you, not speak to you, not help you, not have anything to do with you. And so there's a lot of pressure. It's, it's a lot of the same kind of cultural pressure that you see in Mormonism and in Islam and Jehovah's Witnesses, where if you decide this isn't right, I'm going to leave, you're not just leaving a belief system, you're leaving family and friends, uh, you're leaving your whole social structure, your whole family structure as well. It's, it's a really terrifying thing. They do, and in fact, yeah, in fact, if you watch many episodes at Lear or anything where they've come to former Scientologists' houses and they, they accuse them of being like child abusers and they pick it, I mean, all, I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. It is, it is really, really frightening um, uh, to see how they respond to that. Okay, number seven. We talked about man's problem, which is engrams. The solution, which is Dianetics. Number seven. Who is the exemplar? Who is the perfect example of how Scientology works? Of course, is L. Ron Hubbard, the one who founded it all. He died in 1986. In fact, he spent his last years a virtual recluse on a yacht that he owned um, and uh, became sick and died. And when he died in 86, they, call, they referred to his... Uh, at kind of like his memorial service as uh, L. Ron Hubbard today dropped his body. In other words, he moved on, you know, and uh, not that he died a, uh, a recluse um, who uh, maybe didn't even believe the things he, uh, he taught and wrote about, but rather he heroically dropped his body and moved on. 
now at the helm of the organization's vast global empire is David Miscavige, M-I-S-C-A-V-I-G-E. And there you can see a, a picture of him there, which I took from their uh, website. Uh, he is referred to as the ecclesiastical leader of the Church of Scientology. Number eight, famous Scientologists include John Travolta and Tom Cruise, although a number of Hollywood elites have left the organization and are highly critical of it, including Leah Remini, that's Leah, L-E-A-H, Remini is R-E-M-I-N-I, -I, who hosts a TV program exposing its dangers. Page 28, number nine. Scientology rejects the Christian doctrines of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, sin, salvation, heaven and hell, and others. In fact, their belief about Jesus is that um, Jesus uh, was able to obtain a clear uh, clear means that I think you've made it through like the eighth step on the bridge. And by being clear, it means you've freed yourself of the engrams and you're on your way. But interestingly enough, I think one of those episodes with Leah Remini, they, they talked about a young lady who had gone through the bridge, those eight steps, and it's like $10,000 for each step along the way. I mean, it, it is not cheap to get there. She had passed to the eighth step, the eighth level, and the church had declared her to be clear. I mean, that's it. That's, I mean, you're, you got no bad baggage. You are totally free. And it wasn't long after that, she, she was in a mental institution. And the Church of Scientology sent their people to come and get her because they don't believe in psychology. They don't believe in mental illness. And so they came and got her. They took care of her. They took such poor care of her that they ended up putting her in an ambulance, rushing her to a hospital where they had Scientology doctors only deal with her, and she ended up dying. Here's somebody who's gone through the system, declared clear, becomes mentally ill, is mistreated, and dies not a long time later. I mean, that just makes you want to sit down and cry. How sad that is that this, this lady placed her faith and trust in a false belief system that destroyed her mind destroyed her soul, destroyed her life. Really, really sad story. Number 10, the goal for all Scientologists is to become an operating Thetan. Operating Thetan. That's somebody who's totally clear, okay? This is one who deals with his or her own immortality as a spirit being. This means overcoming the effects of mankind's fall into MEST, M-E-S-T, that stands for matter, energy, space, and time. So here's what, Sci here's what Scientology teaches, or here's what Ron Hubbard taught. He taught that all of us are immortal souls. We're without beginning and without end, okay? 
And what happened was, at some point in the past, these immortal souls, as they were playing with each other and having a good time, we got bored being immortal souls. So we created a physical universe, matter, energy, space, and time, as our playground. And in the process of playing on our playground, we lost our sense of being an immortal spirit. In other words, we've forgotten that we're immortal spirits and we've become uh, enslaved by matter, matter, energy, space, and time. And that's where all these engrams take place. So the goal here, of course, is to deal with those engrams, become clear, and break out of the confines of matter, energy, space, and time and realize that we're free immortal spirits and we're not bound by matter, energy, space, and time. So that's sort of the whole picture there of the goal of Scientology. Now, number 11. According to Scientology, Jesus was, quote, a shade above clear, a shade above clear, meaning that he met the standards for living above the influence of previous lives. So they acknowledge Jesus. They believe Jesus was a real historic figure. They have a high view of Jesus, okay? Jesus, most people don't make clear, right? Jesus was even a little bit above clear. Then number 12, Scientology is not a cult. It's not a cult because it does not claim to be Christian and it does not use the Bible or Christian terms. However, it is a false religion. And again, I'm, I'm being pretty gracious with that term religion. Uh, for it rejects the revelation of God in creation, conscience, Christ, and the canon of Scripture. In fact, Scientology is really a money-making scheme. It is, a, it is a cash cow for a very few people. And you say, well, if it costs me $10,000 or so for each level to go across this bridge, and most Scientologists would admit that they have spent tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, you would think that Scientology is a rich man's religion. And obviously people like Tom Cruise and John Travolta and Leah Remini and others can afford that. But like the prosperity gospel, it really preys on the poor. And one of the things that I, I just learned uh, in watching these programs recently is that what they teach you when, they, when you come in, they basically get you in by, first of all, saying, have a free personality test. Have a free personality test. We'll help you identify your personality. So people will come in off the street, they'll go in, they'll sit down, they'll take this test, which they believe is legitimate, and then someone will go over the results and say, well, you know, you're doing pretty good, but you know, you've got this one area here of relating to other people where you really didn't score very well, but you know what the good news is? We can help you with that. And for only a hundred bucks, you can take this course. Well, that's kind of the first step that draws you in. But in order to take that first course, you have to sign documentation. 
that says you won't sue Scientology, you won't sue the spe people of Scientology. You even sign a form that says the Church of Scientology does not acknowledge the writings and beliefs of L. Ron Hubbard. Yet that's what they sell. But they, they, because if you're going to sue them, they say, well, no, we, don't, we don't subscribe to the beliefs of L. Ron Hubbard. So anyway, you sign that. Um, and you, you sign away a lot of other rights in order to take that test because you want to get fixed. Well, once you're in now, then you have to go to the next step and the next step, and it gets more expensive along the way. And the um, registrars, the people who sign you up for these courses, are hardcore trained salespeople. And, one of, and they're on quotas, believe it or not. They are on quotas. And one of the things that they will tell you, and even they were showing some marketing materials that says, look, you, you say you don't have $10,000. You don't say you have $20,000. How much do you have in your 401k? How much do you have in your pension? How much do you have saved up for your child's education? What if your child became a PhD and the most successful person on earth, but you've allowed them not to deal with the engrams in their life? You've ruined their eternity what is, what is college savings in light of eternity? What's your retirement savings? What's the pension? What's the mortgage on your home in light of eternity? Don't you realize what you're sacrificing? People will mortgage their homes. They'll go into deep debt because they believe they have to do this to fix themselves and to fix their families. And as a result, you think Scientology is a rich man's game for Hollywood elites, but the bread and butter of Scientology is everyday working people like you and me who are mortgaged to the hilt and deeply in debt, and they can't get out, and they can't get their money back. That's one of the really, really sad things about Scientology uh, is that it is a money-making, fraudulent operation that masquerades as a religion that shows people the true way to freedom. And that makes me mad, but more than that, it really breaks my heart for people who are trapped in that and can't get out. Anyway, that's an overview of Scientology. Well, it's very prevalent in the United States, but it's a global organization. Uh, they have um, operations in, I can't remember how many countries, but it is, it is not just the United States. It's in California, obviously, but they also have a huge center in Florida as well. Those are their two main areas in the United States. Uh, as far as being atheistic, they, they would say, I think their website says, we do not subscribe to any particular belief about God or about a deity. So if you, it, it could be atheistic. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. They really say we really don't, we don't emphasize belief in a personal God or God or, or gods. We're really more interested in you being free of the bondage of matter, energy, space, and time. 
that, that's a good point. I, I'd forgotten about that. The reason that he lived on a yacht is he lived out in international waters, I believe, so, because people were suing him like crazy. Uh, and then in 1993, he was already dead, but David Miscavige, his, his big coup was when he got the IRS to declare Scientology a religion. I mean, that was huge for the organization. So, uh, Australia denied him a tax-exempt status? Okay, yeah. Uh, California and Florida, I'm sure they have them in other locations as well. I, I, I meant to do a search to see if there were any in Kansas City or St. Louis or Springfield. You, you, you have to, they want to help you, but you have to pay for that help. You have to have some access to financial means. Right. Anyone else? Any other thoughts about Scientology? A, a fascinating belief system, but a very, very troubling one. I don't, th probably Buddhism would be the one that would have the most appeal to someone if they left Christianity. Um, but I don't think Hinduism, Buddhism, or Scientology are a tremendous threat to the church because even people who don't know their doctrine real well know there's something wrong with Hinduism, Buddhism, and Scientology. The real danger to me are when you have Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science, the Prosperity Gospel, um, those folks who claim to be Christian attach themselves to the church, infiltrate the church, and even proclaim things, many things that are true, but they so twist the rest that uh, you know a half truth is a full lie, and they use the half truth to lead people fully astray. Right. Yeah, you know Jesus said there'll be false messiahs and false Christs, and there'll be those who can do miracles. Uh, yeah. That is the foundation that we talked about this morning. You and I, people are, and we we're talking during the break about. Uh, Southern Baptists being good fodder for Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Well, why is that? Because they don't have a good foundation on the truth. They, they don't know who Jesus really is. They don't know how to describe the Trinity. They don't understand salvation by grace alone through faith alone. And because they don't know the core doctrines of the Christian faith, when counterfeits come in, they use the same terms, they read from the same verses in the Bible, but they're teaching false doctrine, and so people are easily blown about by every wind of doctrine, I think is the way that Paul put it. So that's why it's so important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. I'll never be an expert on Islam or Scientology or anything else. I think it's important to know a little bit about those, but it's way more important to know what the Bible really teaches on the core doctrines of the Christian faith. If I know that, then it won't matter because when the counterfeit comes along, I'm going to say there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, I, think, I think we are doing something right if the world hates us because Jesus said the world will hate you because it hated me first. And if the world loves us the way they love uh, Oprah Winfrey and so many others, uh, th then we're really not doing what we're, we're not really salt and light in the world. <laughs> So we can take comfort in that. And remember, Jesus said, you know, you're blessed when people hate you and revile you and say bad things against you because of me. It makes me mad when people say stuff like that about me, but I have to stop and think, 
Well, maybe I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Christian science uh, was founded uh, 150 years or so ago by um, Mary Baker Eddy, and it's really part of the mind science movement, the idea that she really believed, the, much like Hindus, some Hindus do, that the physical world is an illusion and that reality is, is, is mind. And uh, she denied the, the doctrine of the Trinity. She denied the doctrine of uh, Christ's sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross. And it's really kind of a mind over matter. That's an oversimplification. But it was part of the mind sciences that were really popular in the 1800s, and it carries over today. I had a guy wrote, who wrote me a couple months ago, and he was pretty mad at me because I had a couple stories posted on Christian Science on a website, and he said, you need to take that stuff off your website because um, Christian Science saved my life. And he said, I was sick, I had some kind of disease or something, and I used Christian Science, and I'm well now, so you're wrong, so take that stuff off your website. And what I did, I thought about it for a while. Sometimes I don't respond at all, but I thought, well, I'm going to write back. And I just said, you know, I'm, I appreciate you writing to me. Um, you know, I don't know you. I don't know the circumstances behind your illness or your healing. I'm not sure how that came to be. I'm not denying that you've been healed. But I do know that Mary Baker Eddy denied the core doctrines of the Christian faith, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, his physical death, burial, and resurrection, salvation by grace alone through faith alone. And I said, because of that, I said, if you go back and reread what I posted on there, that's my main objection to Christian science is that it doesn't, it doesn't adhere to the core doctrines of the Christian faith. I said, I'm very glad that you're well now, and, uh, you know, but, but I, I can't change my views about that. And then he, he didn't write me back. So I'm, I try to be real kind and gracious in it and not be accusatory or anything, but I just kind of respectfully said, it is what it is, Chris, you, you know, I would encourage you to go back and read and study what Mary Baker Eddy actually wrote and taught and compare that with the Bible. And uh, so that was kind of how we left that. Yeah, that is a good distinction to make, isn't it? Sometimes defining our terms will save us a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, well, I am going to let you go. I know it's been a, a long day, and you've been very good and patient, uh, especially as I kind of struggled through Hinduism and Buddhism. Those are very, very difficult for me to understand, but I hope we at least learned a little bit uh, about that. And then we'll wrap up uh, tomorrow morning. We're going to look at how to share your faith with people who don't share your faith. What are some things we can do when we encounter people of other belief systems? So let me pray for us, and then we'll let you go. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for each person who came and spent the day with us. We know it's a beautiful spring day, and there is a lot going on in the community. And uh, Lord, the fact that uh, each person has devoted several hours to this uh, really speaks well of them. And so I thank you. I pray you'll bless them for that. I pray you'll give us wisdom and discernment that we will we'll just have a hunger for the word of God and to understand it and to wrestle with those difficult passages and those difficult topics. But Lord, as we do, to go deeper and deeper and sink that foundation deeper of what we know to be true as clearly revealed by you. And then when we do, Lord, 
when uh, the winds of false doctrine blow our way, uh, Lord, our house will stand. Uh, I just pray for a blessing on each life and each family represented here today in Jesus' name. Amen.